Turn in your Bible with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We've been ministering on focus and specifically on what your focus is worth. What is your focus worth? And there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that Solomon wrote. It's in chapter 10, verse 10. In the King James, it seems a little archaic. It says, if the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, then must be put forth much strength. The Living Bible that says, a dull axe requires great strength. Be wise and sharpen the blade. Life should be easy for us. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's so many things in the world today to look at. There's so many things to handle, to listen to, and to do. There is so much going on right now. You have to get up every day, and you have to prioritize your life for that day because you just have so many minutes and so much strength and even your attention span. You know, we just have a quotient of emotion where you're able to even pay attention to just so much in a day. So we have to choose at the beginning of the day and even during the day, what we're going to give ourselves to, because at the end of the day, our life will be the sum of our choices. Amen? So if we're swayed by everything that comes along, if we're pulled off by people or by events, and we are at the end of the day out of time, out of energy, out of strength, and we have not done what we were supposed to do, we will not have what we're supposed to have. We have to give ourselves to the things of God attentively. God has a great plan for your life, and um, focus is the key. Since we have so much that we have to face every day, then you and I have to focus. We have to cut out the part that's for us and just let the rest of it go by. You just got to let the life go by. I know people that want to visit every country. There's people that want to drive every car and own every motorcycle and have collections, you know, certain kinds of things in their life. And, you know, you just need to know there's a great cost to all of that. If you do anything, you're doing it to the exclusion of something else. I've got a joke for y'all. It's about focus. During a visit to a mental hospital, a visitor asked the director what the criteria was which decided whether a person should be institutionalized. Now, y'all focus. Well, said the director, we fill up a bathtub, and then we offer a teaspoon, a teacup, and a bucket to the person and ask him or her to empty the bathtub. Focus. Oh, I understand, said the visitor. A normal person would use the bucket because it's bigger than the spoon or the teacup and would complete the task more efficiently. No, said the director, a normal person would pull the plug. Do you want a bed near the window or the door? Well, see, even in that, we got our focus off of emptying the bathtub, and we begin to think that there's just a choice of three. The world is giving you choices and telling you this is what you have to choose from. Pick your life. Pick your medical plan. Pick your financial retirement plan. Pick your college courses because this is what you have to choose from. And they'll try to get your focus on things that are not even listed in the Word of God. And we've got to keep our focus on what God has said and simply use the things in the world to carry out what God has told us our assignment and our courses to be. Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, are you there? Let's look in verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly. That means accurately or with purpose. Not as fools, but as wise. Here it is, verse 16. Redeeming the time 
because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. There's a very in-time and very applicable directive to us to be wise. There in verse 16, he talks about in the Amplified, it says, making the most of the time, buying up opportunity because the days are evil. I want to minister to you today about the opportunities of time. We've been looking at focus and how we should focus. And you know, if there's anything that is so defined and so measured, it's our time. Sometimes you can eke out a little more strength and sometimes you can do a little more work and, you know, you can stretch things and pay for them later, but time is so defined and every tick of the clock that goes by is forever gone. And so everything you don't do in that moment of time is something that you cannot do under that power or that unction for that moment. You have to take it out of another moment, amen? And so the Amplified says, making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most would talk about prioritizing. It would talk about discerning or being wise or setting a course. When it says making the most, when you're you're talking about buying opportunities, when we buy something, we generally exchange something that's normal and routine, something that's in our life at one value and try to exchange it for something of a greater value. If you have little green pieces of paper in your purse or your billfold and you're hungry and you don't think that there's very much nutrition in those George Washingtons, you'll exchange that for a pizza. You know, you'll exchange that because it has more value for you. You'll buy that up. Well, we've been given the commodity, as it were, of time. And just to sit here or stand here all day long is not a good use of our time, so we'll exchange our time for other things that are more valuable to us. Then the word opportunities, buying up opportunities. An opportunity is simply an ordinary life option that takes on great value simply by timing. Something that is ordinary and just available any day becomes very valuable in timing. You can take stock. Take Walmart stock. You can take Walmart stock today and go and buy it, and tomorrow, likely, it's going to be worth about the same. But there was a time when you could buy Walmart stock that you could double your money in the same year and even more than that by the second year when it first started out. So timing becomes an opportunity. Coming to church this afternoon at 3 o'clock is poor timing. You'll not have much increase in your life because nobody will be here at 3 this afternoon. But if you came at 10.30 this morning, there's opportunity for you to absolutely change and increase your life. So opportunities are very important. And then he talks about how the days are evil. How many of y'all know that the devil is not against you because of who you are, but because of what you've been assigned to? It's not just you as a Christian that's dangerous because there's lots of Christians that are not dangerous. Matter of fact, the devil has enlisted them, and they have willfully signed up and said, I'll serve you instead of Jesus. Unknowingly, of course, but they are the devil's greatest instruments. Do you all know about those Christians? The days are evil. The devil is against you because of your assignment. And if you ever discover your assignment and ever discover the supply for your assignment, you are absolutely in an evil day. He is against you in every way. We have to take this counsel and buy up those times. Every moment, then, in time has a value. 
every moment of your life has been given to you, and it has a value, it has a duty, it has an opportunity, it is employed, as it were, to do certain things. And if you do not employ that time accurately, you will not get the benefits from that moment in time. Look in verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, which is in excess but be filled with the Spirit. It's talking there, of course, about the Holy Ghost, but the word I want to look at there is the word drunk. The word drunk there literally means the word intoxicated. And intoxicated simply means to have too much or have anything in excess, anything that is over the top. And so in the context here, it's, of course, liquor. Or, But you could be intoxicated with a love for music. You could be intoxicated with a love for your children. Now, we all ought to love our children. We all ought to love music. We ought to all love nature. We could love sports. We could love being intellectual. We could love all those things, but the moment it becomes excessive, then it becomes encroachment in our time. In other words, if there's a certain amount of time in your life that's set aside to love music, for instance, or to love sports, or to love your children, or to love your job. But if you take time that's been assigned to something else and you give it to something that's already been used up its time, it's called intoxicated. It's called excess. Are y'all getting this? So what we do is we don't prioritize. We don't assign value to things. We become excessive and we begin to take what was assigned to do one thing and we begin to transfer it and use it to do another thing. That thing then becomes excessive. The Bible talks about buying up opportunities where you actually take your sports time and you say, I'm going to buy up an opportunity. I'm going to take sports time or music time or whatever, and I'm going to pray with that time. Well, that's buying up an opportunity. That's using it to probably a greater dimension for your life rather than taking your prayer time, your word time, your worship time, and using it for sports or for something else. So everything in your life concerning time and energy has a value that's been assigned to it by God, and we being stewards are supposed to take that time and use it according to as it's been given, and the value in that time will always produce one-on-one. In other words, if you take the time to love God and you take the time he's given you in every day to love him, to worship him, to take his word into your life, to pray, then the time that you use that's been allocated will not be held against your day. It will not take away from your day. You have 24, you take two out for God. He will cause the other 22 to be compressed in a way that you had 24 hours worth of value even though the dimension of the clock is still just 22. But if you take time that's meant for prayer and you spend it on the internet looking at sports and everything and you take more than five or ten minutes or whatever that's been allocated in your life for that and you swim around in there for two hours, you'll find at the end of the day you'll tell your wife, I just didn't get nothing done today. Y'all know who that is. Y'all heard that. I didn't get a thing done today. Everything fell apart. It was a wreck. I don't know what happened. It's because the dimension of time, the stewardship of time has been violated. When you borrow against your time, it never will produce like it will when it's allocated for it. So he said, do not be intoxicated. So there's lots of people that get into health. Well, we ought to be healthy. But there's some people, and I'm promising you I'm not one of them, that are health nuts. 
And you know, they're going to spend hours in the health food store. They're going to spend hours looking at every ingredient. Well, this will detox you, and this will intox you, and this will outtox you. They're excessive. It's not wrong to watch some sports. It's not wrong to watch the History Channel. But anything done in excess borrows time from a place that's been allocated to produce in your life. Turn with me to Habakkuk, or Habakkuk. So anything that's excessive, that encroaches on your assignment from God, is called an intoxicant. Chapter 2 of Habakkuk, talking about focus here, talking about keeping our focus and getting our life to produce. It says in verse 1, Habakkuk says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Now, we've always taken that as a call to prayer, where Habakkuk stands on his watch, and he begins to say and to listen. But on the other side of that, you can see that this man is very mindful and very cognizant of his assignment from God. He has taken what his life has been given to him, the portion that he has to steward in the earth, and he has said, I must redeem it accurately. Some people fritter their life away. I heard a man talked about how they were asking him from his old high school and college transcripts. And he said, yeah, I'll go get those. After he looked at him, he said, I forgot how much fun I had in college. <laughs> Every moment of your time has a stewardship to it. Look what he says. I will stand upon my watch. That word watch literally talks about the time that you've been given on the earth to occupy. It talks about an allocation. It talks about a sphere of your life or a realm that you have been given and that you are to have jurisdiction over and that you, like in Matthew 25, are to bring back to the master and say, you've given me this, and here, look, I went and done business while you were gone, and here is what I'm giving back to you. It's called stewardship, and all of us have one. And if you don't regard that, if you just say, ah, we'll just live our life any way we want to, one day you'll be 50 years old and you'll look back and say, you know, I hadn't done much with my life. And you'll be very sorrowful. You'll be very regretful because time is the one thing you can't get back. And so we're all more mindful these days of how precious and valuable the time is. And then it helps that you don't have a lot of hormones and stuff running around in your body trying to say, let's go get drunk Saturday night, you know, like your friends did back in college. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. So Habakkuk was very mindful of this assignment that God had given him and very mindful of the desire that God had put in him that would motivate him to fulfill God's plan for his life. What did he say there? I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. He's checking in with God and saying, Lord, I'm getting an update about my life. I know you want me uh, to live my life. Every moment of time is yours from you, and I want to live it accurately so at the end of every day and the end of every year, I can say, Lord, I had a good life. God is serious about his assignments to people. He is very serious about what he's given you. 
you may not be happy sometimes about your race or your gender or your time of life. You may not be happy about the fact one of your parents may have passed away or not helped you when you were young and you had to have serious responsibilities in your family. There's men that said, I only had a third grade education. Some of them are millionaires or even billionaires. It didn't hold them back. Other people have defects in their bodies or some sort of limitation like just being five foot six and being full grown. You just got to get past it, Shorty. You just got to get past it. <laughs> Hallelujah. You just, not everybody can be NBA. Some of us just have to, and if it wasn't for people like me, there would be no tall. <laughs> They'd all be just normal. Amen. So I'm helping them out, but I get very little thanks, very little gratitude from them. Hallelujah. Had a man in the church back in the Assembly of God, and uh, we both stood up when we were supposed to sing. Steve looked over me, and he said, he said, stand up. You know, I've been taking abuse all my life. I'm not even the shortest one in my family. But the fact is, the truth is, is that when God calls you and assigns you to do anything, he is very serious about it. And he expects you and I to do it with excellence and on time. I need a better amen. He is not casual about it. He's not the lightning bolt thrower. He's not up there displaying his displeasure and telling us that we are missing it. But the truth is, from the Word of God, when he assigns you a life, he expects to get his money's worth, his life's worth, and he is wanting you to check in with him regularly to see how we're going. The 50-year midlife crisis is not his plan for seeing how we're doing. So we've got to change. We've got to have a, a cognizance about our life even daily, even hourly, to say, Lord, am I obeying you? Am I on course today? Well, that means, you know, the whole thing about you've got to give up some stuff. It's not that God's asking you to give up stuff, but as a steward, we begin to focus on what's most profitable, not only to him, but to us. Listen, I want to be happy. Being happy is more fun than being unhappy. And, you know, you have an idea, especially when you're young, of what that would be. And the old fuddy-duds, you know, they just want you to go to work and get a family and just go home. We don't want that. We want to go out and party and have fun and do these things. Soon we find out that stuff is highly overrated. Especially if your dad has to bail you out of jail or, you know, you have to work off some sentence. or You always find out that that's not near as much fun. Our life is important. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. We're talking about focus here and redeeming our lives, redeeming the time, and buying up opportunities. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He said, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But now listen to this. Let's, let's just go slow here. But I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He's talking about here grasping. The word there, apprehend, is the word grasp. He's talking about the focus that's necessary to grasp in Christ what Christ has grasped in us. In other words, there's an assignment on your life, and the Lord is very determined about it, very focused about it. He has assigned you things, and therefore, in advance, he has sent people to be in your future that you will need to fulfill that. He has sent supplies, money. He's invested talents and gifts, 
personalities, all measure of things that we just count as being part of the human experience, God has put those different things inside of you and set those courses around you in order that you might fulfill accurately with abundance and excellence and on time the exact will of God, which is the most wonderful life a man can have. Paul said, the thing I deal with is not whether to get the tamales or to get the tacos for lunch. He said, the deal I deal with is to apprehend or to grasp from God what he has sanctioned my life to grasp from me, to have a mutual exchange. Well, it's going to take some focus. It's going to take some time where you draw aside from ESPN, where you draw aside from the things of life and just stop and say, I'm going to have to apprehend this and it's going to take some focus to do it. Some stuff, some trash that's accumulated in my life. Things that have just fluttered in and made themselves a responsibility, made themselves important. We've got to have a cleaning out. Because when I measure them, I find I don't have time to do everything. And these things now are saying, we're important. We're a big part of your life. You can't do without us. When in fact, those things somehow got in, I got to get them out. It says in verse 13, he said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended or to fulfilled and grasped this, but this one thing I do. We ought to look at what Paul says is the most important thing in apprehending. He said, I forget those things which are behind and reaching or stretching forth unto those things which are before, I press, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. Now, you just got to know that life is fun. Life is enjoyable. You can every day has got a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner in it, and more if you can handle that. Hallelujah. You can have an ice cream break at 3. You can have a little Sunday at 7. You can have a what's in the refrigerator at 10. Life can be a lot of fun. You can go to the show at will. You can have people over and barbecue the pig. Life can be just so much fun if you can afford it and if you can stand the heartburn. Hallelujah, you can just have a blast. But there is another part that's more important than just pleasure in our lives. The life that you've been apprehended for is the life you want to apprehend. Well, it's going to take focus. Because we live in a very, very sensual society. We live in a very emotion and sight and sound generation where we are totally saturated with sight and sound all the time. You wake up to an alarm clock, perhaps. There's TVs all the way to the kitchen. You can just have sight and sound. Hardly can get a moment of silence in our lives. I remember at the farm by myself a lot, but just engines running and tractors and just things like that. Every once in a while, I would just go out in the field. Crop would be up, and I would just put my pickup over at the corner and walk a quarter of a mile and just lay down in the field. My dad couldn't find me. You know, nobody could find me. I'd go see my pickup and like, where is he? And I'd just spend an hour or two and just lay down and just do nothing and let God talk to me. And he didn't always say big things, but I could just feel myself draining out things that were not important. Not so much that I got the revelation that I might need, but I could just feel that I had the tools sharpened inside of me to hear from God and to leave that place saying, I've got a new resolve. The Amplified of verse 12 says, I press on and lay hold to make my own 
that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me and made me his own. So we're bought with a price, aren't we? We've got to have that first and foremost. The Amplified in verse 13 says, One thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to find what lies ahead. So here's the end of it. You've been bought with a price. God is faithful. He has put an assignment on your life. He inexplicably designed you, and he is demanding it be fulfilled. When Paul said, I've run my race and I've fulfilled my course, he was talking about that I have focused, I've taken what God's put in me and put around me, I've done it, and I'm finished. You can get to the end of your course. You can really fulfill it, but most people do not. They get to their 50s and they finally have watched all the ESPN they can stand. They've gone to all the ball games they can stand. They've raised all the kids they can afford. And so they get to a place, they say, God, I am ready to do what you called me to do. But they're tired, and they've got all these sensual things inside of them, and they've got all these values that they're going to have to deal with that they've given themselves over to in the world, and they're not near as fit or able to produce what they were back when they were younger, and they didn't have this in their life. The Bible talks about redeeming the time. I tell you, there's no excuses. God's accepting no excuses, and he's accepting no reasons for failure. I know we give him some. And he has to do with what we give him. And there's nothing he can do about it. And there's nothing that we're going to do about it. But the truth is, he's not accepting it. Especially when he has put into us an investment that can demand abundance on time with excellence. There's nothing little. There's nothing lacking. Yeah, you didn't have but a third grade education, but faith took up the slack. Yeah, your parents left you with a lot of responsibility. Yeah, you didn't get to go to school. This, that, and the other that we all have a story about. But I tell you, he made it up to you, and you've got the stuff to come to the other end. Amen? So you've got to be determined to discount every limitation in your life. You can't say, Lord, I'm too young. You know, Joshua's not too young. There are people that have been to the mission field that are as young as him, that have won countless people to Jesus. That doesn't mean that that's his calling, but it just means you can't say, well, until you're 25, you can't do anything. It's just not so. You can't say to someone, well, once you get 65, you got to retire. That is a government, worldly, cultural institution. Retirement is not from God. Retirement is from this world. We have tired, carnal Christians and a world that wants to retire and have fun. It is not our calling. Our calling is to have fun all our life. We don't work hard and then someday say we're going to have fun and enjoy life. We enjoy our life the whole time. Amen. Vacations are not what we do to get away from the stress. We just get away because it's a way of, of, of new scenery and to get out and get new inspiration. But we are living a full life every day. We don't do without in order to do. So you have to say of your own life, I accept no limitation. I do not say it's because I've got this disease, I've had 17 kids, I've got this mama that I'm having to take care of, I've got these kids. You cannot accept any limitation. You either have to find the strength to do it, or you have to eliminate, somehow negotiate the situation, but you've got to get to the other end of it. Now that's hard preaching right there. That is just tough. It's like, man, you are messing with my life and the American dream that's supposed to be the best there is, but that's not what God said. He said you can do it. He said you can do it where you are with what you got right now. In Christ Jesus, I can do all things. So we got to put it on. 
we got to put it on, Lord. I've been apprehended. You've called me out. You made me who I am. Whether you're male or female, whether you're black, Hispanic, white, whatever you are, he's put you there and he said you can do it best in that form. And he's put you in the place you're supposed to be. And if you're not there, then you were there for a reason and he's moving you somewhere else. I wasn't born in Alabama, got here as fast as I could. Hallelujah. But I had to get some things out there in order to come here and do this right. We just have to follow the plan of God. Amen? I don't have the highest IQ. Lots of people are smarter than me. Many, if not most, are more articulate, more educated than I am. All manner of things that I come at a lesser level. But yet the calling of God on me is unique. Just like the calling on you is specific, unique, and timeless. And what you've been called to, you are absolutely equipped to do. And there is no excuse you can offer. There's no husband that left you that you could say, it's his fault. There's no kids that did you wrong that you say, well, you know, that disqualified me. you got to get past it and get back on track. we got to get past it, put on faith. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, empowers me, and get on track. Get focused and get on with your life. It talks about in Proverbs how that a man becomes what he thinks about. That as a man thinks... So is he. So you become what you think about. I become whatever I think about. So if I'm willing to focus on the things that God is thinking about, I will become what he's thinking about. But if I think about my troubles, then I'm going to be troubled. Or if I think about how I missed it, and and you know we all have a story in here about things that didn't go according to plan. All of us have been sidetracked. Everybody in here. First of all, you got to stay focused and you got to move the negative out and move God's system in. There's negatives in our lives that you got to move out. You are listening to people <laughs> that you don't have to listen to. you got to move the negative out of your life no matter what the dress it has on. And you got to move God's system into your life and say, this is how I'm going to live. you got to really buy this thing. you got to buy into this thing and say, this is the best way I can live life. This is the best life I can live. And just buy it up front without proving it and then prove it with your life. The second thing that you got to focus on is you got to be unwilling to live little and live late. you got to get little and late out of your life. And that is a process. I've researched my folks and I went, dear Lord, they've improved and increased from their folks. My parents did increase from their parents, but it was still not all the way. And so I got what they gave me, and I endeavored to increase in my life and to pass on to my children more than what I had. But they still have to increase. If Colin and Eric take only what their parents had, they're going to be little and late all their life. Are y'all listening to me? We have to focus on being having a fullness, an abundance with excellence on time. It is time to quit being little and late. It's time to have diseases quit working in our bodies, symptoms working in our bodies that are there 30, 60, 90, and even two years. It's time for us to put debt out of our life. And you go, well, I'm working on that debt thing. I'm working on this thing. It's not that you're working on anything. We're just focusing on the call of God in us to live large inside. You just put the system in and get the negative out, and it'll do that. Thirdly, you've got to focus on things that you can control. There's things that you'll never be able to control. There's things in this world that you can't change. There's some things you can't change. But what can you change? you got to focus on what you can change and leave that other stuff alone. Some people want to change the pastor. You know, they just are cranked because he does one little thing that they just don't like or did one little thing they didn't like. And you just got to leave that alone. 
Because people are people, and if you'll get around it and get on past it, you'll have a great life with that pastor. Oh, they all said amen. Praise God. Here's the main thing is you've got to focus on doing things in their time. Say their time. Things done in its time only requires its time. But things done out of timing require more than its time. So suppose, for instance, that you get up in the morning and you don't want to pray in the morning or you don't want to do the word in the morning or you don't want to, whatever you do with God in the morning, you don't want to do that in the morning. You just need to know that to do it later is going to require more time. Well, since every minute of every day has an allocation, then you don't have any extra time. So you become a debtor, you borrow against time that's already been allocated for something else. You have to borrow against it because it takes a minute and a half to pray in the afternoon what would just take a minute in the morning. Why is that? It's because when you go to the afternoon, it's out of timing. You can't get done because you've already got the world inside for that day. You've already got troubles weighing on you. You've already got the activity of the world moving. And so you can't get done in a minute in the afternoon what you could get done in the morning. Are y'all with me? You say, well, I don't need to go to church every week. You know, that's no big deal. Listen, you are costing yourself big time when you don't do what's allocated for that time. Well, it takes too much time. They just rock and roll, and you know, by the time we get out on Sunday, no, 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 no. And people say on Wednesday night, you know, I just am busy, and we got to get in there, and the kids and school and all that sort of stuff. Listen, there is time to do what you are supposed to do, and if you use it for something else, you do not profit yourself. You do not increase at all. It takes more time to do it out of time than it takes to do it in time. Now, when you get that in your heart and you believe that, you're going to have a better time with God, and you're going to have a better life. Every minute of every day is allocated. So one thing we can do is focus on doing what you're supposed to do and only doing that and having then opportunities you can buy to do other things. Nobody has time to go on a mission trip. How is that? Well, because a lot of times we are so spending our time not doing with our time what God has allocated. We're filling up every day with whatever comes along. When in fact, if we would stop and focus and deny things from taking our precious time and begin to focus on what the time was given for, becoming a steward over it, then we will find I've got time to do and go. I've got time to put that business in. I've got time to get this education. I've got time to whatever you have to do that you want to do that you never have time to do. You'll have time if you'll cut back your time and only do what it's supposed to do. In John chapter 12, it says in verse 35, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while the light is with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Jesus is talking about himself there. But there's another meaning there, talking about the light that you have. we got to walk in the light that we have while the light is shining. So i got to reorganize my life. Because there's some things I like to do that I want to do that there's not a proportion from God to do them. So either I'm out of timing, that thing is down the road, and I need to pray about it. I need to give myself to it. Just because I want to do it doesn't mean that God's given me time to do it now. Are y'all with me? It's not time. But it's inside. I want to do it. It would be fun. Sure, but there's not time. And if you do it now, you'll be borrowing against something that's got to be in your life in order to bring your life to a full fruition, and you'll not be able to do it. You'll have to borrow it from sleep. Well, nobody borrows from sleep. 
That's not an open account. It just takes it out of something else. You, you, I'll just take it out of family time. Nobody borrows from family time. You just have to pay that debt down the road. Sometimes with kids that go wild, sometimes, you know, all the implications that people deal with, it's because they borrowed against their time. They're debtors to their time. So we got to stop, and we got to say, Today, there's plenty of time to do what God has called me to do. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I can do it. I can do that. Yes, I'll have to put off. Yes, I'll have to delay. But if it's not time, I can do it. I can be patient. Romans 12.3 says, To every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Well, there's nobody in here puffed up. There's nobody here in pride saying, I'm a big shot and you're a little shot. But what we do have sometimes is a failure to assess our lives and say, but I need to assign value to who I am. Not more value, but give myself full value. You have an assignment on your life. Miss Wanda, you have an assignment. Melissa, there's an assignment. Bill, there's an assignment. Lisa, there is an assignment on you that is deep and wide. We got to find it we got to apportion our life to the preparation of it so that we can be on time with it. These rendezvous with people, with supplies, with money, we got to be on time. The reason that people are not rich is because they don't apportion time to it. The Bible says he's made you rich. The Bible says that he's given you all sufficiency in all things that you might abound to every good work. Well, why aren't people having that? Why is that not in their life? Is because they're not apportioning their life to do what God's called them to do. He's not funding what we're not doing. He's funding when we get our time right and we say, Lord, I'm focused on you. There's a funding for that. There is all sufficiency for all things. But when we go into things that are not apportioned to, there is no funding. There's just barely enough to get the day done. Well, I'm changing it. I'm getting over on the wealthy side. Not for wealth's sake, but I want to be able to be funded for my assignment. i got to be funded for my assignment. I can get everything else lined up, the education, the opportunities, the people, but if I don't have funding, I can't do anything. So the devil just works on that, and he says, let's buy a boat, or let's buy a condo, or let's buy an ice cream sundae every night, or whatever, and just get me off track. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's just bow our heads for a moment. Let's just think about this. We've got just a few minutes. Let's just let this all come in on us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you right now that we are obedient children. We want to do it your way. We certainly want the Bible result of your life in us through Christ Jesus. We want that. Lord, right now, I thank you that the Holy Ghost is free to examine my life Let's just pray this out, family. You, you, you pray it out in your own heart. I'm letting the Holy Ghost convict me of things that I'm doing. I give him free reign to say, we can't do that anymore, or we can't do that now. That's for the future. And in Jesus' name, Lord, I will obey. I will let you talk to me about my life, the short term and the long term, and I'm going to do it your way. Lord, I'm going to give focus time to the will of God for my life. And Lord, I expect it to be better right now. I expect it to be full right now. I expect to have results and fruit right now. 
Lord, I'm going to put aside foolish things. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray in the Holy Ghost right there where you are. Let's stir ourselves up all over the house. Put your hand on your belly and pray in the Holy Ghost. My Lord, we're re-indexing these files inside, these, these commands from God, this assignment from heaven. I get willing right now on the inside to adjust, to reconfigure. I get willing to obey you, Lord. Lord, I'm open to change. I respect the call of God on my life. And in this day, saith the Lord, I will begin to speak to you about new things. For those things which you've even entreated me by and saying, Lord, I'm ready for this and I'm ready for that. I will begin to adjust your life by that still small voice. And you will hear me with new and fresh instructions. And you'll begin to see a new way to go and a new way to flow. And things that you have had in your life that are not profitable, that are of the world, that are carnal, are those things that were once my plan for your life that have since gone by and you've not let them go. Saith God, I will rise up with an axe in your heart to cut them off. And you will decisively pull them out of your life, no more to be found. And you say if the Lord will begin to prosper, you'll begin to rise up. And men will come and press down, shaken together and running over. They will begin to give into your bosom. And favor, my favor on your life will begin to flow into your life. And you'll begin to see the things that I have set aside for you and gravitate and flow and move toward them. And the mark, that high calling that I've set before you will become real in your heart. You'll be to see what that means to you in this hour, and you'll refuse, you'll refuse to live without it another day. So saith the Lord, stir yourself up in me, pray in the Holy Ghost, and re receive the word of God that I will lead you to day by day, and you will see a freshness, a fullness. For the days, that, saith the Lord, though they be evil, yet I will redeem those days in your life that were wasted and laid aside. I will begin to regenerate them and renovate them for your life and catch you up, saith the Lord. I will bring it to pass. At last, I will bring it to pass, saith the Lord. Lord.